welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast. As always, I'm your host, uh, Matthew, and joined with me today is my co-host. Michael, how's it going, everyone? Um, and what episode? we're on episode 32, um, and I mean, things are, things are looking up. Sports are coming <laughs> back. Uh, yeah. As we'll get into, uh, I mean, we obviously know basketball is coming back, but yeah. um, just now, just now at the time of recording, the uh, NHL CBA just uh, was just, uh, I guess, signed or confirmed, and we'll be talking about that very soon. But Michael, yeah. what's up? How's how's your week been? It's been good. Uh, just before I go into it, this is actually episode 33. Sorry. 33. Uh, My bad. Yeah. No worries. Uh, week's been good. I've uh, just been relaxing, but uh, some big news for me. Uh, I finally got some uh, part-time work to uh, pass by during nice. quarantine. Because uh, I'm going to be honest, I was getting close to going insane by just doing pretty much nothing all day. So I decided to just take it upon myself to get a part-time job, and I did. I just started today uh, before we started recording. Congratulations, man. That's huge. Uh, of Thank course, you. right now is like a really weird time for everyone, uh, even for jobs and everything, employment. So it's really good that you went out and... Uh, you were able to get a job uh yeah so so congrats man thank you yeah. how about you how's your um, week been oh it's been good uh obviously yeah my sister's wedding that was that was awesome uh and uh just been taken back this week uh really i don't um, blame you mm-hmm. last week was pretty crazy for you as you <laughs> told me oh yeah but uh yeah i'm just kicking back now uh um and just just looking forward to uh, i guess as uh, as everyone is kind of just waiting for things to start getting more normal um Mm -hmm. but yeah and uh i guess we'll go we'll go right into it today uh into the sports talk but uh let's just go right into the cba it uh it just happened um i mean right before i recorded this uh of course like all the uh everything it was it was being reported i mean i'll just pull up ellie friedman's uh tweets of course uh that the um that the nhl and the nhlpa has ratified a four-year CBA extension and the return-to-play plan, and I know you got we, but you you as you also got a chance to quickly skim over what it mm-hmm. entails. But uh, I'll ask you first: How big is this, uh, uh, or how how important is it is it that they they got this done today? Uh, I think uh, Hugh just pretty much an understatement because uh, if we've seen the last few years of, or uh, well, at least the last few decades for the NHL. We've known, we've come to expect that uh, when the CBA uh, comes to an end, uh, that means a lockout is coming. And that's because the NHL and NHLPA have uh, long struggled to come to uh, terms rather quickly to avoid uh, seasons either being cut short or being wiped out entirely. And for this to happen a fourth time, I think fans would have been really upset, uh, probably turned away for, for the last time. And for to see this, this news come out today, is, it's huge obviously and uh like i said it doesn't really begin to describe how important this is because this is the, the first step in uh improving relationships between the two parties and uh, hopefully each time the cba comes to to uh like the new cba a cba needs to be uh, renewed there's no worries of uh play being uh, interrupted because of work stoppages anymore so i hope that this is uh, a a sign of thing not just some one-off thing that's the result of uh, unfore- unforeseen circumstances. Mm-hmm. Of course, you hit the nail on the head uh, with that statement because uh, I mean we've all been there. We've all uh, experienced the uh, I mean at least in our lifetime the two lockouts uh, even on our lifetime uh, that occurred because of uh, 
CBA negotiations. And luckily, obviously, the twenty third, the twenty thirteen season, they were able to start it halfway um, through the season and have a shortened season. But uh, this definitely, you know, men's relationships between the NHL and the NHLPA, and also ensures that a lockout won't happen. And I think uh, it's important because we we know how much this COVID nineteen pandemic has, um, you know, how many how many consequences it's put on you know the sport of hockey and the nhl and what what how how the league will operate for the next few years so it's good that they were able to um kind of you know figure out how they're gonna go about the uh the effects of covid19 and how it's gonna affect the the league and and they finally have those decisions made so that they can progress um exactly and uh quickly i mean uh of course, with the return to play, the details have been released, the schedule is out, and mainly for the team we focus on, the Toronto Maple Leafs on this podcast, uh, they are set to start their series, their five-game series with the Columbus Blue Jackets on August 1st, and uh, I'm sure we're... August every, 2nd, sure, actually. August 2nd, oh, uh, my bad. <laughs> um, but No worries. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that, and I'm just excited for hockey to be coming back. Yeah, man, I'm excited too. And I'm just looking at the uh, schedule here posted by Elliot Friedman. Um, it's it's absolutely crazy at first glance to just see so many back-to-backs. And at first glance, I can understand why some fans would be a little bit concerned, why there'd be uh, so like games would be so tightly close together. But you have to recognize that uh, with uh, such a long time between the last game played and uh, when these games are going to take place, uh, that's four months. So... If the NHL wants to do this, uh, get the draft done and do the free agency and still have a full 82-game season next season, they're going to have to do this really quick. And uh, I think that's understandable in this case. What do you think, though? No, I completely agree. But uh, I'm glad that they have everything scheduled out properly. I mean, they have everything planned out, even the draft, the uh, the uh, you know the lottery, the phase two of the lottery, the draft. And hopefully everything does happen as planned and I, I do think next season will likely be pushed back obviously maybe push back maybe till december but mm-hmm. things are still looking up and hopefully hawking can return to normalcy oh exactly mm-hmm. yeah i'm just looking at the cpa we've i've already kind of understood some of the uh, basics of the the deal like the south like the minimum wage salary is going to go up for some players the escrow is going to be a little bit different than seasons past, but I have to ask you, what do you think is the biggest win for NHL players in this new CBA? I'm going to pick something that's, uh, I mean, not necessarily about the finance um, of the CBA, like the financial issues, but I think one thing that every fan's been asking for and even players have, have been asking for, we know they've been asking for it in 2018, but we know that the NHL is uh going to be participating in the olympics once again um they mentioned in the cba that olympic participation is included and that's for the 2022 and the 2026 olympics and i think i mean i think that's an entirely another topic i want to talk about today on the podcast um but it's gonna be fun and as soon as we toss as soon as we're done talking about the cba i have a couple questions about that but are you not excited for that Oh, of course, man. How could you not be excited about the return to the Olympics? It almost makes you wonder why they uh, got stopped, didn't go to 2018 in the first place, because it's it's just frustrating that uh, the only thing we got out of it was uh, a 2016 uh, World Cup uh, 
tournament that turned out is likely going to only be a one-time thing at least in that form mm-hmm. and obviously fans really wanted the olympics because that's the biggest stage for hockey that's the biggest place to market the sport that's how uh sports such as the nba were able to really take off around the world because of the olympics so to miss out on it once is uh, not a great look but i'm glad the nhl is able to quickly fix that and uh return to uh the biggest stage of uh sports mm-hmm. and i I mean, I wrote uh, a story about this in 2016 about, you know, why the NHL wasn't um, participating in the Olympics. And obviously, uh, it it all comes down to business in the end, right? Like, um, the Olympics didn't even allow the NHL to, um, you know, advertise using their clips or advertise anything at all, um, you know, in relation to the Olympics. They basically owned all property over, you know, the the what happened at the olympics and the nhl would just basically have to risk giving their players up during their season um for a you know a tournament that they can't really even benefit from at all so i mean essentially it came down to that but i think what happened was i I mean obviously the players definitely wanted to play we know alex ovechkin definitely openly said he wanted uh wanted to play for team russia but uh i think it's great because i think in 2018 people really saw what was missing at the Olympics and how much it was like NHL players were being missed at the Olympics. And I think the NHL noticed that even though they might not directly be compensated for Olympic participation, I think the Olympics are a huge way of growing the game. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So I think in the long run, they realized that it's still a, uh, a, a you know, a meaningful investment. Um, so I'm excited exactly. for that. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, uh, in the end, like, uh, we, we we still have uh, as we said like this um, this just was reported that the CBA was uh was completed but uh yeah i mean i'm definitely going to look into it more tonight and uh i'm i'm just i'm just excited to see how uh how how this hockey season pl- plays out now that we we know everything is set in motion mhm and uh, don't get don't get us wrong we were it's not like we're hate completely hating on the uh world cup uh, from 2016 because there were some great moments uh look no further than team north america which uh i was salivating at the idea of even potentially bringing back in the uh 2022 olympics if that's even possible but like the games themselves were entertaining it was um it was it was great hockey don't get us wrong but uh, there's just something to be said about the olympics and just how important it is to for teams and for players especially to represent their countries on the biggest stage and the fact that they didn't get to do that uh, in 2016 left a, a sour taste in some players' mouth because there's a, probably a few, select few of them that uh, missed out during their prime and uh, potentially won't be able to make the team uh, in two years' time. So I think it's very important that they do get that chance again. Maybe some of them do get that, that opportunity, some of them don't, but at least other players will get that chance. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, I think next week I want to talk about this more. Uh, we could maybe look at maybe make some uh mock uh lines for the olympics for 2022 maybe that would be fun but i mean the first thought that comes to mind is we finally get to see Connor mcdavid and Sidney crosley play on the same team um and represent team canada and we even get to see austin matthews and patrick kane on the same team which would be amazing to watch absolutely i'm looking forward to that and guys i hope you guys are looking forward to that Mm -hmm, for sure but uh yeah in terms of cba talk i think that's uh all we have for today um Again, we'll we'll probably talk about it a bit more next week when we get more time to look through it. Absolutely. Um, before we move on, though, to other sports talks, uh, I want to really talk about uh, a video 
that one of our good friends made yesterday. I'm sure you know who I'm referring to, mm -hmm. but if our friend, his name is Nick Barden, he made a video yesterday titled, Would You Rather Win the Stanley Cup or Draft Alexis Lafreniere? And I watched the video. I mean, it's it's a good quality video in some aspects, but he was really adamant that he would rather draft Lafreniere over winning the Stanley Cup. And I want to ask you quickly, I feel like we've asked this before on a previous podcast, but I really just want to go in depth with it this week. I'm just going to ask the question again, and we'll see how we both feel on this. What about you? Would you rather draft uh, Lafreniere or uh, win the cup? This um, year? I think I spoke. I think we talked about this when the draft lottery happened, which was you yeah. know last week. But um, I would not mm -hmm. like. I would go for it because um, I mean, let's I, like I said, like if anything, this the fact that Team E or a play in Team won the draft lottery. It's just like a silver lining for if 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 the Toronto Maple Leafs or if a team if your team loses in the first round. It's just kind of a silver lining. It's kind of like, you know, it's not as hard as previous years because there's a possibility you still could be, you know, get a consolation prize. But I do see the Stanley Cup. I mean, you should always see the Stanley Cup as the main prize. And why else are these players playing? But because they want to win the Stanley Cup. And I think we've been talking, like, uh, about this whole, I mean, whether it be NBA or NHL, um, just that the fact that I think, the, I, I know everyone's talking about this upcoming these upcoming playoffs in both sports like you know it, it's it's there's going to be a huge asterisk on it, it you know it, it it's not going to be as meaningful you know some players are out things like that but honestly this might be one of the hardest uh playoffs to win given all the circumstances so i don't think you should discredit this year at all and i think if the toronto maple leafs or any other team really were to win i don't think you should discredit them at all i'd still think the prize is just as good um, I, I know a lot of fans are saying, you know, uh, it sucks because, you know, the fans can't celebrate. You can't get a parade or anything. You can't even be there to watch your team win. But a cup win is a cup win, you know. The players worked hard for it in the end. That's what matters. And uh, if I was a fan, I would still say uh, the Stanley Cup. And from the team's perspective, they're definitely going for the Stanley Cup. And, again, when you look at, you know, drafting – Lafreniere it's different if you say you know it's either a hundred percent shot of the Stanley Cup or a hundred percent shot of uh, drafting Lafreniere but it's neither you know it's a chance at both and even if you lose in the play-in round there's only a one in eight chance of uh you know getting the first overall pick which isn't that great of a chance and on top of that the Toronto Maple Leafs pick currently belongs to the Carolina Hurricanes if they finish out of the top 10 so since we already know numbers two to eight that really only leaves numbers one nine and ten that the Toronto Maple Leafs can end up you know keeping their pick you know if if the Toronto Maple Leafs end up losing the draft lottery um uh, my math's not good so I'm not even gonna try uh calculating the chance off the top of my head but <laughs> basically um you only have three chances at even keeping your pick and that's if the Leafs end up being first ninth or tenth and uh, that's not that's not really that great of a chance. You have a higher chance of you know losing your pick altogether. Absolutely, I'm totally with you on everything you've said. It's you're pretty much saying exactly what I'm thinking. And I just want to reiterate some of your points for the, for the fans to understand. Listen, obviously it would suck that uh, the, per, the a potential Stanley Cup parade would probably not be happening, or at least not as big as uh, the Raptors parade last year. And we, we know, we've, we've been, we both were at the Raptors parade and we know how awesome an experience that is. 
but you can still do it. There's a potential for things to clear up by October. There's a Oxford vaccine that could potentially come and uh, potentially make things a little life easier for everyone. Not saying that that's going to exactly happen, but who knows? Um, and I think the real, the real big thing for me is that obviously I'd like to win, uh, have experience a celebration out on the streets and that'd be cool, but I'd rather have a Stanley cup because that's really all that matters to me. If you have a Stanley cup, that's you, you won the thing. That's no one can ever take that away from you. If you draft last year, you probably only have it for 20 years. And does that guarantee you're going to win a Stanley cup in a couple of years? Maybe. I don't know. It's not just like there's no guarantee you're even going to draft him to begin with. And I would I would put you this way. I would go for the Stanley Cup if I could. But if the Leafs somehow lose in the play-in round, it's one of those times where you won't, I'm not too upset because at the very least, they have a shot at going drafting first overall. Yeah, like we said before, like if anything, this is just this is just a bonus to losing for once. The Toronto Maple Leafs lose with no <laughs> prize ever. They just lose. It's just pain. <laughs> but at least now, you know, any play, any team that loses in the playing round, all their fans, you know, has one more thing to look forward to, one more possibility for, you know, at least something good to happen. Um, so we'll leave it at that. I mean, yeah, I mean, with all, all the reasons I gave, I I definitely think I, I want, you know, I, I would want to win the Stanley Cup if I was one of the teams. But also, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to use a quick... Uh, cross team reference here i know a lot of people say oh but it you know it'll be like an asterisk um stanley cup you know like a lot of fans will discredit it but you know who cares you know look at the toronto raptors a lot of people want to put an asterisk on the toronto raptors uh i see it all the time fans of other teams want to put a you know want to discredit the championship win because you know the golden state warriors were injured uh, were going through injuries and things like that um i won't get into that too much but uh it doesn't matter you know <laughs> i see all the uh, Toronto media, mm-hmm. Toronto fans, everyone, uh, everyone's just like, you know, it doesn't matter. A championship's a championship. We're the yeah. champs, right? That's what they say. We the champs. Yeah, we the champs. <laughs> we still the champs. Yeah, yeah. At least for now. And it doesn't even matter uh, which team wins the Stanley Cup. They'll they'll be the champs, and you can never take that away from them. Of course. Speaking of teams uh, being discredited, uh, we have to talk for a moment about. Uh, the, the teams that are now enforcing uh, heavy rules on their players. Because we've been seeing, especially today, I saw the Blue Jays telling their players that you cannot leave the bubble under any circumstances. And if you do leave, you could face a, a major fine up to $750,000, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Including including jail time. There. Yeah, yeah. The jail time for, for, for leaving the Rogers Center. And this is not the first time we've seen the news like this. We saw the NHL doing a, going to be enforcing a similar rule for uh, their players if they leave the bubble. I believe the NBA players have something similar planned as well. So I want to ask you this, since uh, all, all sports leagues are gearing up towards a return to play. How would you enforce the players to stay in the bubble and keep them from wanting to even consider leaving the bubble? Because as we explored last week, we saw how 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 important it is to to keep everyone in line with St. Louis the St. Louis Blues getting a bunch of their players uh tested positive for covid. I mean first I mean I I just want to say like obviously it's so important that these measures are in place anyways, you know, it, it's nice to see that you know, not just the city, the city of Toronto or just the cities that these 
uh, games are happening in. But I think obviously it's it's important. I think uh, if there is no, you know, punishment, then you know possibly players wouldn't take it as seriously. But they obviously have to take it seriously. So it's good that at least we know that there's those measures in place. And uh, I just think it's so important. And uh, sorry, what was your question again? Was it just asking how important it was? How important how important it is to enforce players and how would you do it to exactly okay yeah so i mean yeah i mean i i mean i think i just pretty much said it but yeah i think it's so important because again we don't want let's say there was even the slightest risk of an outbreak in the bubble you do not want it leaking out of that bubble at all right you mm-hmm. know there could even be like a player going to the grocery store going to like get a snack at a gas station or something something right across the street even you can't just risk that right because yep i mean i mean i feel like there's a lot of risks obviously when you put all these players even though they're getting covid tested if you know one thing leaks either into the bubble or out of the bubble you know it could really cause a lot of damage possibly um and i don't know how i would how i would enforce it but i do think that you know this threat of a fine and it's a pretty hefty fine it's, it's a really hefty fine um and i mean possible jail time too it's pretty crazy but i think uh i can't think of anything better i wouldn't say i wouldn't say like that's a good thing you know like it's a pretty harsh punishment but i can't think of anything that'll you know hopefully scare or like hopefully you know make them want to follow the rules even more than that exactly i think that's pretty much what i'm thinking as well and i'm just going to make it simple in my uh, follow-up in that if the nh play if the players for all these leagues want to take this seriously the leagues have to take it seriously and if one league is kind of like being last days with it then the players are like well why would the, the league doesn't really care about my health and safety why should i why should i just be cooked up in my hotel room for weeks on end i can go out there's there's this great city out there just explore it i'll be i'll be fine but if they don't but that's what i'm saying the st louis blues did exactly that and a bunch of their players are potentially going to be at risk of even playing in this tournament, in this, this playoff tournament. And who knows what other uh, teams are going to have players uh, at risk of not even being able to play. It's very important that these players and the leagues take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't, then not only do uh, players not get a chance to play because they have to recover from COVID, then there's a, there's a potential risk of this whole operation of trying to get the season back being canceled outright. Mm-hmm. And they don't want that. For sure. Um but uh, I'm glad that there's, uh, you know, these these uh, precautions set in place and these uh, restrictions and things like that that players, not just players, but staff and everyone that's kind of involved in it has to follow. And uh, we just we just have to be we just have to hope that again that the player and the the players and the staff's uh, health are all, um, you know, everything goes smoothly and and that they mm-hmm. that their health are 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 not put at risk during this uh, during this return to play absolutely mm-hmm. but uh in other in other news uh in uh i mean i want to talk about the nba they're the first uh league to i mean we know that you know uh obviously soccer has been underway but in terms of local local teams and local sports uh basketball is obviously the first major sport to kind of enter their bubble as they've entered their bubble this week um in florida and uh, walt disney world and uh, we've seen some videos from uh, some of the players, and I want to I want to talk to you about. I'm uh, you've seen the one the hotel rooms or the the resort rooms because they're staying at the Disney resorts, and uh, also their meals. The meals. Uh, some of them have been posting the meals again. We don't know 
exactly if the meals are all going to be like that for all the teams or if they're going to be like that every day but first i want to uh talk about the rooms and i do want to mention uh there's been a screen grab of a uh rajon rondo uh instagram story screenshot that's been going around um and <laughs> and he basically uh let me let me find that uh, i think i dm'd it to you Oh, and he basically, just, it's a photo of the hotel room, and he says, Motel 6 Hun at NBA. Uh, and uh, again, I did not actually see this on his story, so I can't confirm the, uh, you know, the, the realness of this. Uh, but uh, either way, I mean, if uh, what do you think of the room first? I just want to ask you that. Okay, so if any of you are wondering why I'm laughing, it's the reason what I'm about to reveal. Rajon Rondo is being ridiculous for being so critical of the hotel room. If you're looking at that picture, I'm thinking to myself, that's a really nice hotel room. I would love to stay in a room like that. And I mean, to be fair, I know, understand Rondo's got more money than I'll probably ever have in my entire lifetime, but he should be grateful that he's even getting a chance to play. And that's a pretty decent uh, get up for where he's going to be staying for potentially the next couple of months. So I understand, like, uh, some players have higher standards, and, I mean, everyone's got high standards. But in terms of, like, hotel rooms, Disney's got a lot of great hotel rooms. And I think the one that Rondo posted uh, looks like a great hotel room. It does. And, I mean, I'll obviously mention uh, he is a Los Angeles Laker, and we do know the Lakers, you know, are treated like kings in the hierarchy of the NBA. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's definitely still a great room. And I know we've seen other, uh, players post their, uh, post their, you know, videos from their rooms, uh, specifically, uh, Patrick Beverly, Myers Leonard and, uh, Lou Williams. Uh, and, uh, I mean, they, they seem to be making the most of it and it looks great. I mean, I know I saw Myers Leonard posted like, uh, his whole streaming setup, which is pretty cool because he streams. Um, and, uh. I mean, they've got everything. They've got, you know, their whole wardrobes, you know, their video games, uh, you know, whatever they need, they they were able to bring, I guess. And I know it, it's definitely going to be hard being kind of pretty much alone for the next, however, two to three months. Um, so, you know, maybe I could get maybe some players who are used to, you know, maybe they're used to better circumstances, a little annoyed by how it is. But I think, I think it's... <laughs> It's definitely, from our perspective, it's definitely a really nice setup they got going. Oh, exactly. Uh, I, I'd, I'd be like I said, I'd be lucky to live have be in a room like that. Uh, but there's one thing that uh, I think I don't want to have for, for if I was an NBA player is the meals. And I know we're we're getting with this. I the other day, I was uh, when when. I can't remember which NBA player it was, but I believe he was on the Magic. He showed a picture of the meal he was having. And at first glance, it really really did look like a meal that's comparable to what you get in a on an airplane flight. Well, that's just me, but I want to ask you about that. What do you think of the meal? So I saw the meals, and uh, like I said, when I, when I introduced the topic, I was saying, you know, we don't know if this is how the meals are always going to be. Um, the bubble hasn't even officially started yet um, when we saw those photos. So maybe they'll handle it differently. But right now, it really does look like they're just giving like, 
you know, like, <laughs> you know, like when you go to like a event or something and they have like little eats after the event, um, yeah. <laughs> like it looks like that. Like, and when you're like an NBA player, um, I'm sure you have like dietary restrictions and you have to follow certain diets and it's going to be tough. That's again, going back to the fact that we've been talking about this playoffs might be the most, well, one, it might be a tougher playoffs when given the circumstance. I think that is one thing that might play into it is that, you know, a lot of these players who obviously have to be on strict meal plans, strict workout plans, things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. They can't really control that right now. And if that's the type of food they're getting, I feel like uh, a lot of people aren't going to be happy with that. I mean, I think I saw, I think it was Isaiah Thomas's uh, tweet. I think he tweeted, LeBron's not going to be eating that. <laughs> I mean, you think of just the average NBA player and they obviously need, I, I mean, I saw like a bag of chips with like watermelon and like, you know, a sandwich and like a little, it's like little it's like little containers mm-hmm. of different things, but it's dried I, up pasta. Yeah, but it doesn't look like a full-on meal that an NBA player would be consuming on a daily basis, right? Mm-mm. So, it's, and I understand it. I understand it. Then the NBA has to feed all these players, and plus, I don't think they could do like buffet style. Maybe, maybe once after the testing is all completed, and everyone's kind of in that bubble and you know free to interact more, maybe they'll start bringing like a buffet type. Um, type you know the meals to to players and they could just eat in the dining room i don't know how they set have it set up but we'll see obviously the, the bubble's not even set up yet right like teams are just arriving now and getting tested absolutely uh i i will i will give uh we'll give them the benefit of the doubt because you have to understand that uh this isn't the uh mba providing all the meals it is the disney resort that is providing all the meals so their meals are slightly different than what the NBA would provide, and I'm, I'm guessing that now that they have an understand, like some 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 fan reaction got out, and people got to see what the NBA players are given, maybe they change it slightly to be more in tune with what the NBA players consume on a daily basis, like you said. But uh, obviously, if that's what all the the meals are going to look like going forward, uh, yikes. Hmm. Um. I mean, again, yeah, we'll just have to see how or what what the nba players say uh, you know once the once the the bubble's kind of underway and once once play has kind of been uh kind of started but we'll see it, right now it's not looking that great but uh again this is all new for the nba and, and for all leagues so we'll have to again i'm pretty sure they're taking a day at a time and they'll probably try to fix things uh based on based on uh complaints or based on negative receptions Absolutely. I, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, at the end of the day, as long as sports are coming back and it's done in a way that's safe for everyone involved, how can you complain? Exactly. So I think with that, we'll take a break and then go into our 27 NHL, uh, NHL draft redo. Looking forward to that. So we'll be right back. After our brief break, uh, we're ready to go with the 2017 NHL draft redo. And uh, by the way, guys, this is the final NHL draft redo of our little series. 
Next week, we will be starting the NBA draft, starting from uh, 2010. But before we get into that, let's go into the most recent draft on our list. And Matthew, I believe you have some words to say before we get started. Um, oh, I just want to repeat that, yeah, this is our uh, very last uh, draft. I, I, you kind of cut off there in our series. <laughs> it, it was kind of cutting off uh, there, the connection. But yeah, and uh, I mean, uh, again, this is just like... Uh, this was a very hard draft to kind of redraft. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to say uh, I mean, with the whole point, we only did it up till from 2010 to 2017 was we said, obviously 2018 and 2019 uh, is still too, too recent to even redraft some of these players. So we haven't even seen most of these players make the NHL. And just looking at the 2017 draft, uh, I was thinking maybe, maybe even this one's a little too early because a lot of these players have not made an NHL impact yet. Um, yep, and it's 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 still very early, and like I mean, we'll get to a few of these players. You know, they've made small, um, small impacts in the NHL, but it's it's tough to go by that. You know, their their ceilings are high. So where do you draft them? Where do you rank them? So I mean, we're we're still gonna redraft it, and we're gonna see what we come up with. But uh, when we tweet it out, even we'll, we'll we'll mention that this is a very hard redraft because it's still fairly early. <laughs> Absolutely. I will say this. Uh, I'm just going to take a wild guess, and I'm I think you know where I'm going with this. The first two picks are probably going to be the easiest ones, yeah. and then it's going to get very tricky afterwards. I'm going to, to be truthful. Yeah, the first two was the easiest. Um, I'll say the first four were pretty easy, and then it really became hard um, mm-hmm. after the first four, um, because yeah, like I said, like so many good players, so many high ceiling players who have yet to make any sort of NHL impact. And you can't discredit them because they just haven't played in the NHL yet, and they probably will play within the next year or two. Um, but we just, you know, we're just going off very small sample sizes here. Yeah, so, so don't get too mad at us. Uh, if if you see a player drafted uh, in our top 10, that's oh, not yeah. who you think is going to be in a certain spot. And I feel like we're going to have a pretty wacky order here. Anyways, I feel yeah. like even my draft order here that I have on my phone is probably different from yours. And I feel like our redraft right now will probably be different if you redrafted this in another three years or even oh, two yeah. years, you know? Um, even next year. Even next year, yeah. But uh, we'll do it now. And uh, I have the first overall pick. And if you guys haven't listened to our last redrafts, uh, me and Michael, we just uh, alternate between the first and second, third, fourth pick, etc. Um, and we just make a whole list. So I pick kind of my team and he picks his um through alternating picks but with my first pick in the 2017 nhl redraft i'm gonna pick uh i think i think it's pretty safe to say i think the first two were are, are really close picks but i'm gonna go with the center here the franchise center here um uh elias Pettersson. excellent choice i had him at number one too mm-hmm. and i mean as as we'll talk about uh i mean like i said like I was talking to you about this uh, beforehand, but there's not a lot to analyze because there's a very small sample size with a lot of these players. But with Pedersen, we know he's been already grown into a budding superstar, even a uh, number one center for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, he's just been playing insane. And uh, I think the second the second pick is also pretty clear for you, but I'm just going to say I went with, uh, I chose the center because, I mean, it's pretty safe to pick a, a franchise center over even a franchise defenseman, but I'll let you go with the second overall pick. Exactly. Now, before I go to my second overall pick, all I want to say about Pedersen is that uh, at the time it was a bit of a question mark pick for some fans. So uh, when the Canucks picked him, 
but uh, I think it's safe to say they're pretty happy with that selection. Um, but with the second overall pick, now, obviously this could, could have been seen as a stretch as early as a year ago, but in such a short time, this guy has proven that he is one of the top picks of this draft. And I think you're on going with this. I'm picking the defenseman, Kale McCarr. Mm-hmm. Kale McCarr, ex- exactly how you said. He's just jumped straight into the NHL and made such a huge impact in such a short amount of time. I, mean, I remember when he jumped into the NHL in the playoffs, and everyone thought that was a huge jump and a huge challenge for you know a young prospect to just jump into the NHL um, so soon, especially in a playoff, like crucial playoff period, right? And... Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he performed, and he performed all this season. And uh, might might I say he's uh, he's battling for the the Calder Trophy this year for Rookie of the Year. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, it'll probably be between him and Quinn Hughes, another uh, another star defenseman, uh, star young defenseman for the Canucks. But uh, I mean, I think that speaks a lot about just just the impact he's made in such a short amount of time. Colorado was very lucky with mm-hmm. uh, that year. Even though they uh, lost out on drafting first overall, I think it's safe to say they won the draft. <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm going to go with my third overall pick here. And, uh, yeah, I think third and fourth, uh, they're, they're they're interchangeable picks. Honestly, they're, they're both good players that I have listed here. But I'm going to go with another defenseman. And uh, with from the Dallas Stars, I'm going to take uh, Miro Heiskanen. Interesting about Heiskanen is that he was actually drafted third overall in real life, so he does not change his position, so mm-hmm. that's good for him. And again, another kind of budding star defenseman, uh, young defenseman uh, for the Dallas Stars. I think if you if you looked at it, you know, even if, you, if we were redrafting this even last year or the year before, I think Heiskanen would have been even the top pick in a redraft. I mean, uh, kind of he was the first player to really jump into his role quickly from the draft. And uh, he's been a solid, uh, just a solid defenseman for the Stars. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a smart pick at, at number three. Dallas has an amazing back end. People underestimate it uh, because they're uh, in a smaller market. But uh, make no mistake, uh, Dallas's uh, defense is one of the best in the league. And uh, part of that is because of uh, the strong play of Mira Heiskanen. So they did really well with that third overall pick. Exactly. So you have the fourth overall pick. Yes. Um, this one... I'm going to just um, spoil it right now. This guy was originally taken first overall, but he has come around uh, since his rookie season, and I think he's going to be a much better player than people give him credit for, although he probably shouldn't have taken taken draft first overall, and that is Nico Heischer. Mm-hmm. And I remember that year. I had Nico Heischer at fourth overall as well, and I mean, uh, I remember his draft year. It was supposed to be Nolan Patrick for the longest time, then he kind of crept his way through, obviously, with the world juniors and then his play as of late in his draft year, he kind of crept into that first overall pick uh, spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to, I, I remember, was it, I believe in, was it December or January? I don't remember, but I, I got to see uh, the Leafs face the Devils in New Jersey. And uh, I, I, I believe uh, he sure, I think he scored, I mean, he scored once for sure, either once or twice, but um, he is a, he is a great player, honestly. Um, and he's he's looking like, I mean, he might not be the, the 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 perfect number one center that you would want in a first overall pick, but he's the perfect second line center. And right now, he the Devils are his team. I don't even think like obviously we're still waiting on Jack Hughes to kind of butt into the you know the star that he's poised to be. But as of right now, he sure is um, 
it's the Devils are Hishier's team, and uh, he he's matured so quickly. I feel like, and he's already an All Star even. Um, and of course, uh, I mean, he's kind of playing with what he has there in New Jersey right now. Mm-hmm. But I I'm definitely think his his potential might not be as high as you know in other uh, as other first overall picks. I mean, in in general, that 2017 draft wasn't the strongest draft going into. I mean, now we see some budding stars and Pedersen and things like that. But this year, I think it's still he's still a solid pick. It's not like he's a buster at all or anything. He's going to be a very solid second line center. And I think New Jersey's hoping that uh, they found a first line center in Jack Hughes. But Nico Hishier is that second line center. That's you know you're never gonna you're never gonna regret picking him. Exactly. I think all I can say really about Hishier is that while he probably shouldn't have been taken first overall in hindsight. That's not to say he was, he's not a top-five pick uh, in an NHL redraft because he's clearly proven that he is a valuable player. And similar to uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins in uh, 2011, he's t- still turned out to have a great career. But again, maybe shouldn't probably shouldn't have been taken uh, first overall if we're redoing things. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, let's go with number five. And I do want to mention, uh, I mean, I don't know what... Uh, obviously, the, the Devils just traded away their captain and Andy Green and... Um, I do see even Hishier being a potential captain one day uh, with the Devils. I, like I said, I think it's his team, and he's slowly maturing into, you know, a leader on that team. Of course. Now mm-hmm. let's go on to number five. Okay, so uh, with my fifth pick, this is this is where the draft really became kind of hard for me to draft, and I won't have a lot of analysis on a lot of these players because we have very small sample sizes. But... uh. I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Robert Thomas here. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's a good uh, pick. Oh yeah, and I just want to I, like I just want to pull up a few of his stats here because he's really I mean again the sample size is very small, uh, but he's he's only had two seasons so far in the NHL, but you know he's been a consistent. I mean he's looking like he's becoming a consistent 40 point scorer, and um, again it's still early in his career and it's gonna be early in all these next few guys' career. Uh, so we're just going off, you know, one to two seasons worth of uh, performance. But 42 points this season in 66 games. And obviously he played on a Stanley Cup winning team last uh, last season. And uh, he's just been a reliable a reliable uh, player for the Blues. And a Stanley Cup champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lucky for him. <laughs> in his first year, too. Exactly. Kind of reminds me of Scott Gomez. Even Tyler Sagan. Uh, don't remind yeah. me. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I like I said, I don't think we have much to talk about for the next few picks because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very small sample size. But I'll get, let you go with the uh, sixth overall pick. Now this might be a bit of a uh, a stretch for some people, but I'm gonna be completely honest. This guy has really taken a big step forward this past season, and I think that uh, as his career progresses, he's going to be a great player, and I think he's worthy of being drafted number six. And that is from the Hurricanes, Martin Neches. Did I say that right? I'm not exactly sure <laughs> of the proper pronunciation, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, again, another solid player um, for the Hurricanes. Uh, again, small sample size, but I'm just pulling up his stats here. Um, yeah, I mean, here, like this season, 36 points to 64 games. And uh, this, is, this was the first real... NHL season his rookie season uh so we still have a lot more to see from him but I think that's a a very respectable stat line for a rookie Mm -hmm. 
absolutely. And his, his last season in the uh, AHL was really solid too. And it was a big part of why the uh, the Charlotte Checkers were able to win the Calder Trophy last uh, season. Uh, I think from a lot of Marley's fans uh, knew very well how much of a threat he is offensively. And uh, I was at the uh, game where the Leafs beat the Hurricanes eight to six, and he had a outstanding game. If not, and that would have been uh, the story of the game if not for Leafs' insane third period comeback. So that's pretty much where I got to know him, and I mm-hmm. think. Uh, I think he's got going to be a big threat offensively for years to come. You got a really good game in that game. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> the good uh, <laughs> game, please hurt game. Oh yeah, for sure. With my seventh pick, I'm going to take uh, from the Montreal Canadiens, Nick Suzuki. Nice. Who another like player, another rookie, who basically we only have one year worth of performance to evaluate here. But 41 points in 71 games is nothing to laugh about. That's a that's a serious a seriously good stat line for a rookie and. Uh, I mean, again, he played 71 games, obviously a cut short season. So we'll see, again, with these rookies, we'll see how they play next season because their ceiling is only, you know, they're only going up from here. So 41 points in his rookie season is great. 13 goals, 28 assists. It's crazy to think that Vegas gave up on Nick Suzuki so early. But, uh, I mean, you have to understand that Vegas is such in such a unique position. Not only are they only three years into their existence, uh, they were in a Stanley Cup Finals appearance after their in their inaugural season. So for, for Montreal to get Suzuki at such a young age, I think it'll be very helpful for them because I think he could be as, as really he's got a high ceiling of second line potential. Mm-hmm. And I think Montreal definitely needs that. Mm-hmm. So you have number eight now. And like I said, I think this is where like, honestly, I didn't see a lot of these picks coming where they are. So we'll see how it plays out. Now I'm going to pick a player that a lot of fans were curious at the time and we're, we're, we're calling for him to be a bust at some points because of his struggles to join the team. But after this season, I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to have a fine career. And that's uh, Kyler Yamamoto. Kyler Yamamoto. That's a great pick. I didn't even have him uh, listed uh, in my top 10. But again, there's just a lot of, again, like a lot of quality NHL players, but they've just played such a small sample size that it's easy to, you know, not really see, um, you know, not really rank them yet again i mean he's played 27 games this season 17 games last season so he has very you know his his stints with the nhl have been very small very brief but he's gotten his games in and and uh you're right like this season like 26 points in 27 games that's nearly a point per game player for of course the very small sample size but still exactly and i'm gonna put two words into why i think his career is going to do very well connor McDavid. Do I need to say more? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> we can't completely put it on Connor McDavid, but I think it's it's definitely a big help playing alongside, you know, McDavid, Dreisaitl, um, who are those players that make everyone around them better. But I think Yamamoto was a great pick, and I, I'm really excited to see how he plays, you know, with a complete season. Again, like we've seen a, nearly a point-per-game pace with a very small sample size of around 20, 27 games, right? Um, yeah. But how would he do over 82 games? Now I'm, I, we've we've already talked about how in the past about how the Bruins top line is probably one of the best top lines in all of hockey. But if Yamamoto's career progresses as well as we think it's going to, I think him, McDavid, and Drysdale could be the best first line ever. That's a bold statement. Yeah, that's a bold statement indeed. But uh, I, I'm pretty confident in that prediction. 
we'll just have to see how it plays out. It'll be interesting. It'll be super interesting to see how this, uh, even this draft, which a lot of people said was a weak draft, but we'll just wait. A lot of players are slowly, slowly making their impact. Exactly. Now let's go to the last two picks. Uh, you're first with number nine. So with my ninth pick, I'm going to take a guy who I had kind of high up, but uh, didn't he didn't get taken yet, but I'm going to take Cody Glass. Mm, that's a good one. Mm-hmm, that is a good one. And uh, again, another another player. I mean, all these players have very small sample sizes, but um, obviously playing for Vegas, uh, a contending team, um, he's he still put up uh, 12 points in 39 games. And again, small sample size. He's, he has a very high ceiling, a very, very high ceiling. And uh, once he, I think once he gets into, you know, like his a full-time NHL job, he'll he'll really make an impact. Absolutely. And I think that uh, Cody Glass is going to be the, right now, he's on track to be the best uh, drafted player in Vegas Golden Knights history, although that's not really much of a bold statement because it's they're so it's so young in their existence, but yeah, technically the first drafted player on the oh, Golden yeah. Knights roster. Oh so yeah, he'll always hold, a, he'll hold a, a spot in that franchise history. So Wait. you have the last pick in the draft, and I want to know okay. who you take here. Okay, so this was a bit of a challenging one because these are two two players. I'm deciding between two players that actually have really good shots of potentially being in this top 10 and having good careers. But I decided to lean more towards the defenseman. And I think you know who I'm going with this. Originally drafted by Vegas, now in Ottawa, Eric Branstrom. Nice pick. Uh, yeah. Um, I Yeah, I had him in my... Okay, I, I had him in like right below 10th. But I think that speaks to actually now that when you really look at this draft, like, yeah, it is a deep draft in terms of potential. We just have to yeah. see how these players play out. But the amount of, like, really good prospects that are coming out of this is really interesting. But, um, again, another uh, another defenseman, another uh, solid player who has a very small sample size. They're still waiting for their full-time NHL gig. But he's split his time uh, this season with the Senders and the uh, – the Belleville Senders, their AHL team. And uh, he's put really good numbers up in the AHL. And uh, he's been solid uh, for the uh, sen- for the Ottawa Senders uh, for, you know, 31 games this season. And, again, Ottawa, I mean, not, not really a good team. Uh, but he's been, he's been, uh, he, he is, he is going to be a, a huge part of their core in the next few years. Oh, yeah. And that's why I, I, I'm very hopeful for his potential because Ottawa made the trade to get him in part because they recognized he was such a valuable asset. And as a team that's going to be looking for a replacement to uh, Eric Carlson, I mean, yeah, they have Thomas Shabbat. He's going to be probably the face of their franchise uh, for your, for the other back end more specifically. But I think Eric Branstrom could definitely have potential to be a big part of their team as well. So I think if we're looking at it that way, and the fact that he had 23 points in only 27 games in the AHL, which is hard to do for a, such a young player, like that speaks to uh, how well he's been progressing, and uh, it was hard to pass up on him at number 10. Oh, yeah, and I mean, honestly, like looking at Ottawa's rebuild, I think they have the third and fifth picks this year, and uh, the name that's being thrown out with uh, e- either pick is uh, Jamie Drysdale. And uh, again, he's his ceiling is honestly a top-two defenseman in the NHL. And it's really interesting to see how this rebuild has been going for Ottawa because, look, that's three honestly high-ceiling players in Shabbat, um, Brandstrom, and Drysdale if they pick him. 
and that's a that's an amazing uh, defensive end uh, for the Senders. And if I was a Senders fan, for all you Senders fans listening, uh, be be excited for you know this team. Uh, I think I think the Senders in general have got taken a lot of slack, obviously for you know struggles with the organization and the owners and things like that. But they're doing this rebuild right, and they're they're looking bright. I'm looking forward to what their future holds too, because it'd be nice to see the uh, Battle of Ontario once again. For sure. And uh, so that was our redraft. Um, and uh, we will go over the honorable mentions here. But honestly, yeah, it, this draft, it, it's a lot deeper than I originally thought. Again, a lot of players, we just have to see how they pan out. They're, they just played their rookie seasons, or they barely even played a, a season, a full season yet, but they've shown flashes of high potential. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to mention the player that I didn't end up taking at number 10, and that is Philip Schittel, C-H-Y-T-I-L. I, I probably must pronounce Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce there. that either, but I know but who you're talking about. And yeah, another solid pick. Um, and I have uh, a couple of names here, obviously. Uh, Nolan Patrick, second yeah. overall pick. And I still think, I mean, he would be much higher. I, I was debating even taking him higher because his circumstances are different from everyone else's. He's still a very high potential player, very, very high. Again, he was going into the 2017 draft. He was, you know, uh, ranked first for the longest time. He went second. And uh, it's unfortunate that he's just had a, a whole a whole lot of uh, injury issues, of course, with his concussions, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope the best for him. I hope he could return soon, and I hope we he reaches his ceiling because, yeah, like I was considering taking him. He could, he could have went anywhere from fourth to tenth, you know, because solely on the fact that I know he's a high potential player, he we just we haven't seen him enough, and and oh, yeah. and also on the fact that you don't know you know what the injuries will do to his career. I mean, let's hope he can return and, and play to the best of his capabilities and reach his ceiling. But it's too many question marks over him right now to draft him. Yeah. Let's go over a few more, some honorable mentions. Uh, right off the bat, I'll have to mention Timothy Lilligren, who is in the same boat as Nolan Patrick, who hasn't really had much of an opportunity in the NHL, but uh, has looked pretty solid uh, in the AHL. Mm-hmm. And I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And let's not um, forget, at one point, uh, let's, before you say the next one, let's just, about Lilligren, let's not forget that Nolan Patrick was at once, he when he was number one, ranked when he was ranked number one for this draft timothy lilligren was ranked second <laughs> mm-hmm. and he uh he got mono that season and he dropped in this in the rankings but toronto stole him at number 17 but uh yeah again still waiting for his uh full-time you know nhl shot you know he's been kind of bouncing it up and down um and yeah you you said casey middlestat yes i was gonna say casey middlestat thank you for uh helping me out there um, he's a player that's uh, got potential, but uh, he still needs to find his groove. Um, another player, Ryan Poling, who we fans will remember very vividly uh, in the last game of the regular <laughs> season, 2018-19, had uh, a monster debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a player to watch out for, I'm for sure. And uh, Michael DiPietro. Mm-hmm. Another huge prospect, uh, up-and-coming prospect. Uh, and I also want to mention Henry Jokiharu who uh is I, I feel like he's underrated uh he's played uh he plays for the sabers now but uh when he was in chicago he was a very solid defenseman uh during his time there and then buffalo kind of stole him uh, and uh he's he's been he's been great he's been great for them he was he was traded actually in exchange for uh nealander alex nealander 
funny how that works out mm-hmm. and i think <laughs> it's worked for both sides because he's been a, a very solid you know even he cracked the top four for the sabers for their again a young play, a young piece that can crack your top four that that could be added to your core like you can't go wrong with that and neilander uh for chicago they're hoping that he turns into you know reaches his potential oh yeah and uh i am hoping that he does reach his potential too but uh yoki haru being a right shot that instantly ups his value so i'm sure he'll be a solid president on those sabers line for years to come oh yeah for sure so that was our draft um next week we'll, we will start the nba series of drafts and that'll be interesting because we do know that nba drafts can be all types of crazy oh i am looking forward to that too and not simply because uh it's just a different sport but uh just for these nba drafts it's going to be interesting to see how we uh, look over the nba 2010 nba draft because if i'm not mistaken there is it might it might take a bit of an adjustment uh when we look back on it Mm-hmm. Again, uh, I mean, even with NBA players, there's a different way to assess NBA players and compared to NHL players. So it's going to be like a complete uh, kind of gear change for us. But it's going to be it's going to be so interesting to see. Um, we start with the 2010 draft next week, so uh, be ready for that. Looking forward to that too. Uh, I would, I want to say before we do get going, uh, thank you everyone for listening uh, these last few weeks. I know it's been different because of uh, circumstances with COVID nineteen and trying to find content without uh, sports being on. But uh, we appreciate you guys listening uh, and uh, enjoying uh, what we've been doing these uh, last few weeks. Uh, unfortunately for this episode, there's going to be no fan Q&A, but uh, it will be back next week. Uh, but yeah, I just want to say thank you guys for listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And uh, oh, you can uh, follow me or message me uh, on Twitter if you have any questions. If you do have any questions, shoot them at any time. Uh, you can follow me or, or tweet me at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. And for me, it's at the Leafs IMO. And uh, once again, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.